Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. But you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing badly. Yes, well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Aches comics every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. This looks like a job for Superman. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Sigh. And that Bailey guy. Stupid ass. You keep forgetting about that Bailey guy. You can bring it in. Hello and welcome to special birthday Comics Monthly Monday oh, 29 no, birthday. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> it is Scott Gardner's birthday and he's back on Two True Freaks. And he's a monorail pilot, so it's fucking the triumphant return of Scott Gardner <laughs> and Mike Bailey Yay. and Michael Bailey. I don't know hey, if it's triumphant, going? but we're glad he returned. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. This is Space Command to Zoom. All systems are go for your message to Scott. Hey, Scott. It's your birthday. I'm in charge of the stars, and I'm here to say, Hey, Scott, you're the big star today. My name is Zoom, and I live on the moon. But I came down to Earth just to sing you this tune. Cause Scott, it's your birthday today. Present for you, I wanted to find an outer space creature, a one of a kind, a wild womp, or a kookle chew, a snaffle drop, or a buzzer snooze, or maybe a three-eyed tickle shake for your birthday. Did you ask what the fuck is a kookle shoe? Well, 
down up on the moon, it's nothing new. But that won't do for you on your birthday. I search behind the clouds and stars. I even zoomed my bike to Mars and met my friend, the saucer man. And he said, Scott. Happy birthday, singing. Scott. Happy birthday, singing. Scott. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Scott. See you next week. Yes, it's the birthday today, but we're not going to talk about that. We can talk yeah, about sucks. anything else. So how does it feel to be older than dirt? Oh, older than uh, me, at least. Uh, uh. <laughs> I must be dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Only for a little while. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're right behind me, mm-hmm. dude. You're right behind I'm me. I'm snapping at your heels. That's true. This is true. So, wow. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever, too. Because, what? God, I missed Star Wars Monthly Monday. I missed Star Trek Monthly Monday. It sucks. I hate Yeah, and you see what happens when you're gone, too, man. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants that to happen again, man. So you better get stable. No, you guys did a great job on uh, on Star Trek Monthly Monday. As a matter of fact, I, I haven't quite finished it yet. I was listening to it while I was puttering around the house today. I've got about uh, 10 or 15 minutes left on the end of the episode, but I, I enjoyed it very much because I, I like the insights you know that, that others offer into that movie, especially uh, Shag. I don't know that he and I ever discussed um, First Contact, yeah. so I, I, I like... You know the the alternate view because I'm just yeah. I'm Thanks not for for, for sending me the invite too, Chris, because I remember <laughs> telling you I wanted to talk about that I, movie. I can. Uh, oh, so uh, but that's okay. That's okay. You guys forget me on Return of the Jedi, and you are both dead to me. I just want you to know. This. <laughs> the temperature just drops like double digit. <laughs> no, it, 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 no a- it really did. You see, I had a shitty day, so that that really doesn't that really doesn't help. I mean, I, I woke up. And oh, that sucks! I hate when that happens. Yep, didn't really that always didn't really is the start of a bad day. <laughs> I didn't really sorry. sleep. I didn't really sleep all that well, and all I wanted was some freaking coffee, right? And I, and I don't want to spend like five bucks on Starbucks, so I'm like, okay, I'll go buy Mickey D's, and you know, like grab like a biscuit or something and a cup of coffee. And I walk in, and it's like pure pandemonium behind the counter, and like one of the counter, one of the registers is actually crooked. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So the girl goes to all the effort to drag me down to a register to take my order and then asks me, oh, by the way, do you have cash? Because we can't take debit or credit. I'm like, thanks. So I walk out the door. I go down to Burger King. And I don't know if you guys eat breakfast much out at fast food places. I avoid it uh, as much as possible. Yeah. But Leaving McDonald's and going to Burger King is much like trying to score with the hot girl, but ending up with her best friend. Now, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know what Burger Kings are like in your neighborhood, but I always, when I was a fast food eater, I always enjoyed the flame-broiled goodness of a Burger King burger more than a McDonald's one. Well, this is breakfast, though. (laughs) Yeah, true. But they have those French toast sticks. Yeah, but I I, I don't eat sweet stuff Mm -hmm. in the morning, Mm because it tends to make me want to vomit. I go in... 
and there's nobody in there except like this ancient, like the fucking crypt keeper and his wife are sitting in the corner. And may I they, help you with a tasty <laughs> treat? <laughs> um, but so I order, and it takes them like forever to get the coffee. I get to work. I eat the food like on the way to work, and it's just like awful. It's terrible. I should have gone to Chick Fil A, and. I get into work. I'm not feeling well. I sip the coffee. It tastes awful. And I pour it out in the sink, and the entire freaking sink is, like, covered in coffee grounds. So I didn't get my coffee. Breakfast sucked. And then my boss starts, like, wigging out because we need to catch up on getting sale attachments to computers and stuff. And, and that's okay. It's my job. But it's like all this together. I'm fucking tired. I want coffee. I had a lousy breakfast. I'm getting shit from everybody. And it was just a, just a bad day. <laughs> what, you think because of that we're going to have mercy on you? <laughs> no, I'm just telling you I was having a bad day. You guys are heartless sons of bitches. After the show, I'll tell you about my bad day. <laughs> But not during the show. It's it's a bad day, <laughs> so it's yeah. It's gonna it's I'm caffeined up, so it's gonna be a good show anyway. <laughs> oh no! Yes. Why? Oh, no. Yes. And by caffeine, he means meth. I mean, I mean, I mean, rip it, energy fuel, and that's what I'm gonna do tonight, folks. I'm gonna rip it. Rip it good. I ripped it a little while ago, actually. I know, nice. and it's. You, Scott's been getting worse in his old age because they've been starting to register on the microphone now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like my little, you know, the little levels on my my recording thing will actually, you know, tweak up and down when when Scott, quote unquote, rips one these <laughs> days. So, you know, sometimes it's good to have a thousand miles in between. You know. <laughs> It's I, I I thank the Lord every day that Tesla did not invent the the smellophone, like he, he threatened to. That's a lie. Anyway, comics. Yay, comics! Have you guys been showering yourselves in comics the last month? I've actually been reading a few lately, which is more than I had been doing before that. I, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. What, what were you going to say? I was going to say my, my eBay buying just because uh, by the very nature of, you know, the um, tax return money kind of drying up um, <laughs> has kind of calmed down. I mean, I got a really good deal on a trade paperback of Batman, Superman Batman Generations 2. I got it for like eight bucks. Uh, oh, with cool. shipping. So, Did you not have that already? I had the individual issues. I just didn't have the trade. And I wanted oh, the trade because it has a really nice burn cover on it. Um, and uh, I've been buying back issues of something that I'm not going to talk about because I figure Scott would start chastising me. Um, no, so. no, no, no. I already told you I wasn't, I wasn't going to give you a hard time about that. Okay. I am deeply, deeply... <laughs> I, I, other than that, no, I will not give you a hard time. <laughs> other than whatever he's deeply, deeply about. <laughs> I, I'm wounded to my core. I'm I'm cut to the quick. But other than but that, that it's no. fine. He, he, he cut out on you after he said deeply, deeply too, Chris? No, I think that... he just trailed off. I don't think he wanted to even tell us what was deeply, deeply. <laughs> 
I said deeply, deeply disappointed is what I said. Nah, I, I caved and uh, and went back to the Superman titles, and so I've I've been getting like the issues I've missed, and uh, <laughs> some of them have been pretty easy to find, and some others weren't. But I had like a network of Facebook friends, like Chris Johnson found a couple issues for me, which I appreciate. Uh, my friend Garrett picked up a couple of issues of action, which actually looks like to be the most interesting of all the titles, because it's um, Lex Luthor trying to get back the power he found during Blackest Night, when he became an Orange Lantern. And uh, so, and it's written by Paul Cornell, who from what I understand, writes Doctor Who. I don't really watch Doctor Who. I don't begrudge those who do, so it's not a big deal to me, but... uh, You'd like Doctor Who. I would probably like it, but it's just I am terrible about getting into television shows. I'm I am too. I know exactly the, what you mean. I mean, I've kept up with two shows, and I missed a couple episodes of one, but I've kept up with two shows in the past like six, seven months, and one was Being Human, the American version from Sci-Fi. Uh, that's been recommended to me a bunch of times. Which actually has a comic book uh, connection because the guy playing the vampire was Doomsday on Smallville, uh, and the guy playing the werewolf was Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns. So that made me smile. Uh, and uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. So those are like the two shows that I've been following, and 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 I just I I'm sure if somebody if I like bought like a season of Doctor Who, I'd sit down and absolutely love it but I know that I would disappoint myself because I'd want to watch it and then I'd miss an episode and it's just like, if I miss an episode it's almost like I lose all all interest in right. it. Right. Yeah, I understand I that you. too. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, but yeah, being human, uh, everyone tells me the British version's better. That's great. I love the American version. I never heard of this show because I, I saw you post that on Facebook today and I was like, being human, I was like, isn't that those those movies from Disney like back in the eighties? No, it was there was an eighties or early nineties movie by some I can't remember the director. He was a foreign director, arty director, and it was called Being Human, and it starred Robin Williams in this reincarnation yeah. saga that was really weird. You know, it was almost like these disconnected people that Robin Williams and his wife were in different time periods, and I thought it was an extension on that and I'm like that's an interesting movie to make into a TV show I you know what what the hell is the thing I'm thinking of it had Kirk Cameron I think oh the you're not, you're not quite was, human not quite human yeah not quite that, human. okay <laughs> not was it Kirk Cameron thing. or was it um was it the dad from Growing Pains in that I, 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 I never actually watched it, so I'm, I'm not entirely no. sure. But that's what I was thinking of when I read your post. I was like, "Whoa, that's kind of, kind of." When you digging out of the, when you explain the concept of being human, it almost sounds like you're setting up for a joke. So, right, a werewolf, a vampire, and a ghost are living together. <laughs> walk into a bar. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They probably do walk into a bar at some point in the story. Um, <laughs> and a rabbi. And- Essentially, it was an experiment on the part of the werewolf and the vampire as they're trying to feel more human because they're monsters. And it really just doesn't work out because the vampire has all this baggage with the other vampires in Boston. 
the werewolf has to deal with like his family and he likes this woman that works at the hospital he works at and the ghost is trying to get over the fact that you know the the man that she loved basically killed her because he was an abusive jackass and he's the landlord of the place oh jesus and um what happens to him is awesome <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I mean, the premise is a little goofy, but it sure sets up all kinds of story elements, for sure. This no, sounds man. a lot to me like the Drac Pack. I used to love that show <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> but, it, but it has a, it well, has a really... Well, Michael will be following the new RuPaul spin-off, the Drag Pack, after... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it has a real comic book feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I was really satisfied with how they wrapped up the season because everybody's storylines are kind of dealt with, but in the last scene, it set up everybody for the next season. It was, it, it was, a, it wasn't forced. It actually felt a lot more organic than it could be, but it's just like, you're, you're, you know, the vampire is dealing with the fact that he, it's not that he doesn't want to be a vampire. He just doesn't want to be with his fellow vampires. And the guy who runs Boston, uh, the head vampire, is named Bishop, and he just won't let him go because he's the one that turned him. And the werewolf's funny as hell because Sam Huntington, who, like I said, played Jimmy Olsen uh, in Superman Returns, and he's also ironically starring with uh, Brandon Routh in that Dylan dog movie that's going to be coming out soon have you seen the poster for that by the way no i haven't i've, seen I've the never trailer. heard anything about that yeah that, is it oh, thank like you a for bob dylan that. dog or no something? no seriously thank you for saying that because i'm trying to remember exactly the wordage on the poster but it was something to the effect i hate paraphrasing i, I wish i had it in front of me but it was something to the effect of based on the most popular comic book in America or something. I was like, now, I consider myself pretty up on comic yeah, books. No I never fucking heard of this thing before. <laughs> and, and yeah, so, yeah, what Chris just said is is perfectly apt because I saw the poster and I was like, hey, Brandon Routh, it's nice to see him getting some work, you know? And <laughs> then I, I read that tagline. I was like, not seriously, I've never heard of this before, so... Yeah, I think there's a little stretch of advertising going on. Really, what the I hell is the name of that that movie again? I'm going to look the poster up so Dylan, I can... Uh, like All Dylan right. Dog or something like that? I think I, yeah. I, I don't know why I'm suddenly second-guessing myself. But C- uh, Carry on, and I will find this as as we talk here. Cause no, he, but it is good to see that, that, that he is getting... He's still getting consistently getting work since doing Superman Returns because right. he, was, uh, he was in uh, that... Scott Pilgrim versus the World movie as one of the boyfriends. He, oh, was, on okay. he was on Chuck for a few seasons. Ironically, I guest heard starring Chuck was a good show too. Uh, who played Lana on Smallville? Here it is: Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, based on one of the world's most popular comics. The um, world's most popular. Well, wait, wait, wait. If it says world, this. then it could be a European comic. Right. In which case, it might be really popular in Europe. Right. Yeah, I guess. So, so, so there may be a kernel of truth there. Uh, because that does – it sounds like something that would be a European-type comic that w- that they would make the movie of. Uh, in fact, I'm almost – I don't know this for sure, but I would put money on the fact that there's a European version of the film and this is the American one. Uh-huh. But it's got a decent cast. Uh, Brandon Routh, Sam Huntington, Tay Diggs. So uh, 
Who's doing oh. the music? Ooh, Klaus Bedell. I like yeah, I like Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs is a Tay Diggs is a Rochester native. This, he's a he's son of a bitch. There, was a, there was a Rochester too. native in the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race too. Uh, that was the second season, right? Second, it was one of um, the seasons. It was one of the past seasons. I know that. It, yeah, because I follow. I remember you telling me about that when I was watching it. It was uh, what was her name? Was it Darian Lake? Maybe. I think. No, it was. Uh, um, I'm trying. She to... was funny as hell. Yeah, uh, I can't remember now. I can't remember her name. My roommate is is actually good friends, but I've never I've never never met her. Him, whatever. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, she's she's got a lot of work since that show. So yeah, I mean, the thing about shows like that is the losers are the ones who always seem to get jobs. <laughs> you know the winners keep going on the show and they just keep doing the show and the losers start like selling books and stuff so hey uh speaking of uh brandon ralph i i don't know if i've ever gone on record saying this or not and uh, and i and i want to be on record saying this i blame uh him for nothing when it comes yeah. to superman returns all my beefs with that with that movie have absolutely nothing to do with he him. Played I the part, he, he played the part correctly. He, yeah. he put a little Chris Reeves in it without making it, you know, no, I mean, obscene. No, he put a lot of Chris Reeves in it, but unfortunately that's what he was told to do. Well, that's what I'm saying, and he was an angsty, kind of creepy, super, you know, stalkery Superman, but that was yes, what the script sort of... Myself. I hear that all the time, but I don't really I, see that. Scott, he sat there and, like, watched Lois Lane and her family having dinner with his X-ray vision and his super. Yeah, just sat, sat outside their yeah, house. Yeah, but I, I I, I never saw that as creepy or stalkerish. I, I don't know. I, well, I mean, I, remind I mean, me not to date you, man. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I mean, if it was if it was him, you know, sitting in a tree outside her window, you know, watching with I, binoculars. Or I mean, something, he wasn't beaten off but, or anything like that. But still, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying. He was. He was anything wrong with it, and he has the string of restraining orders. At the, at the very, at the very, yeah, super restraining orders. The, but the, at the very, at the very <laughs> bottom level of it, he was kind of the emo Superman. But that was how he was written, and I'm sure that's how he was directed too. I right. I thought the whole I thought the ca- I liked the cast of that mo- movie, but he know. looked well, except Kate Bosworth, who sucked. But uh, I didn't like Lois Lane at all. But no, I I think he looked like Superman. He looked like Clark Kent, and he looked different in both roles. Yes. Which which was which is extremely important to me, and it's like the one real downfall of Dean Cain as Superman. Really, is that he kind of looked the same as he, both he's, characters. He's, he's self assured, and you know, yeah. Well, Christopher Reeves changed his whole body language between, mm-hmm. and and it totally worked. You know, he made you know he truly made Clark Kent bumbling, and you got to do that because it's still, no matter what, it's still just like ridiculous that nobody recognizes you know superman with glasses on so you have to really you know he had to change his whole personality and and body language to make it somewhat convincing and and uh, yeah i thought i thought in superman returns he did that too and you're right that i think she was a bad lois lane in comparison to um to what's her name crazy lady there um, <laughs> skeletor i mean margo kidder margo kidder because she yeah, wasn't perky she enough. Was... She wasn't, you know, she wasn't aggressive enough, you know, and she tried to be. She tried to do a couple of the, you know, ask Clark a question and then trail off and then change the subject and, and, and that whole thing. But it didn't it didn't work as well. It didn't have the 
the spark that Margot Kidder did. My only problem with with her, honestly, was that I, you know, she's if you, it's my problem with the entire movie is that if you can do math, then none of the timeline right. of that movie works. Yeah. At all. Her being probably the biggest problem besides the boy. Well, how is did she that... get younger? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she she's too young for the way too young for the part that she's playing in that movie. It just you know, well, well, kind of hold up. That kind of segs into one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that as much as people are bitching about the Zack Snyder Superman film, I have not had one issue with any of the casting that he has done. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, they'll cast it well. It'll get cast well. He casts I his mean, movies well. Diane Lane is Martha Kent. I've said it before and I said it again. Zack Snyder looked at Smallville and I said, okay, I'll see you're a Neto tool, hot as hell, as Martha, and I'll raise you Diane Lane, who is, yeah. Uh, but, you know, and a lot of people had a problem with it, but John, uh, Kevin Costner is Jonathan Kent. That I'm works. looking forward to that. That works. Kevin Costner is a really good actor, actually. When the director makes him be a good actor. Well, when he's, especially when he's not the director. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some movies where he kind of walks through, but there's other movies like Scott and I love 13 Days, where he freaking owned that film. I you know I think the the you know the the bottom line is you can you know the only way Zack Snyder's going to make a good Superman movie is if the script is fantastic and somebody draws out a visual template for him that he can just copy onto the screen cuz that seems to be except for Dawn of the Dead that seems to be his MO is is mm-hmm. like I mean 300 is right you know I mean it was made right from the comic, you know. The comic book page is literally put up on the screen and brought to life. Watchmen is like right, you know, is slavishly for the most part, you know, for the for for ninety percent of it, you know, cleaving to the to the comic. And those and and well, three hundred didn't work for me. I hated that movie, but you know, Watchmen, I I thought it was okay, but it wasn't due to anything any real skill like the Jack Snyder isms in it were the drawbacks like the slow motion and stuff and everybody knows how I feel about Sucker Punch it, it just can't I just don't between that and um, uh, Nolan producing it and being sort of the you know and, and, and now they put Zod in there can you imagine you know it's I mean okay if it's gonna be dark make it like the you know uh, you know Hail Mary Maybe he'll make it after the um, Gene Colan Phantom Zone comic. That would be cool. <laughs> nah, it, I mean, it would be cool, but that's not what's going to happen. No. It's, it's going to be based on the more modern Jeff Johns stuff. So I, I, I just, I, I just don't see it. You know, I mean, it's literally gonna. I'm gonna skip it in the theater, and it's gonna be a download. And I, I might I like to, it, but it'll be an outside chance. Sorry. I have to say this, though. Henry Cavill, who's playing Clark Kent Superman, I don't know if he's towing a party line. I don't know if he is a publicist saying this is what you need to say. I don't really care because in every interview I've read and seen him give, he has never talked down about playing the character or the character himself. He is always very much... uh, Superman is the best. I'm really happy to be playing this character. You know, you you know, you can't 
you can't do certain things with Superman. Like everything he's saying, it, it seem it may feel a little too like perfect. Like they're worried about what the fans are going to say. But if that's how he feels, then I'm all for it. Because when the actor fully believes in the character, yeah, Chris well, Reeve yeah. and Brandon Routh both proved this. When they believe in it and they don't think it's silly, it works. I think Dean Kane felt very silly in that costume, and it came through in his performance as Superman. There's, there's not never... going to be anything silly about this movie, I'm sure. I mean, I am worried because Nolan's involved, and I'm worried he's going to suck all the fun out of Superman like he sucked all the fun out of Batman. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one, Scott, for you, because I know you don't want to be seen as the naysayer. <laughs> <laughs> but, and Goyer... You know, Goyer's not a horrible writer. It's no? just the, the one the one thing I'm worried about Goyer is that he's going to put that one thing in the film that doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Like, if you have a device that emits a microwave that instantly turns all water to vapor, what is that going to do with all the human beings who are mostly composed of water? Exactly. So... <laughs> It would be like all these. There would be all these little husks of beef, beef jerky with clothes on in the streets. That'd be those little salt cubes from Star Trek. That's oh, that would be so awesome. Or like the awesome. piles of salt from Night of the Comet. And then we if could that go- had, If that had happened in that movie, Batman Begins would be my favorite movie. If it was a bunch of little salt cubes all over the place, especially if they made that little boring noise that they make in that episode whenever they those people <laughs> when work their little belts. Yeah. What I, I loved about yeah. that is they actually they actually somehow took all the dust, mixed it up, and that's how they 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 brought about world peace by mixing all the world leaders together. As Wasn't if, this Batman and not Star Trek? Yeah, but we're we're uh, <laughs> Batman, Star Trek. It's What's two it? true freaks. It's re- you know, I mean, we we might as well talk about all the reconstituting people from <laughs> Dry. But uh, the the choice of Amy Adams as Lois Lane, I was very excited about because I have been a fan of hers for quite some time now. I've never seen a movie that she was in that one I didn't like her, and two that she didn't completely commit to the part it's like scott if you have not seen enchanted you being a disney fan you need to see this film uh especially the scene where what's his name uh james marsden who was in superman returns as richard white and he was cyclops and all that right There's there's a big scene in the film where when he comes out of the cartoon world the first thing you see behind him is a giant superman returns billboard Oh, and cool! I hysterically, <laughs> that's cool. I was like, "That's awesome," uh, and it's and it's a fun little film too. But she has, I like I said, I I have never seen her phone a roll in. She's got great acting chops, so it seems at least from a cast, which you know you can't deny that that's an important part of a movie. I mean, if you if you don't like the cast, you're really not going to like the film, no matter how good it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am more optimistic in the cautiously optimistic, but I'm still remaining cautiously optimistic because I'm worried that they're just going to fuck it up and you're going to hear the screaming from wherever it's going to be like this. It's like when freaking Alderaan blew up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Scott and Chris are going to fall to the side, and somebody at work's going to be like, Scott, what's wrong? I don't know. There was a great disturbance in the force. Like a thousand people cried out in terror and was suddenly Thrown vanished. into the sun. <laughs> it, it, either that or Mike just saw Superman, no! <laughs> the Man of Steel, and thought it sucked. No! <laughs> I always like that part in... Uh... In Hardware Wars, when, when Luke delivers the line for Ben, he says, Jeepers, what is it, Augie Ben Doggy? Did you feel a great disturbance in the Force? As if millions of voices cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced? No, just a little headache. <laughs> <laughs> well, all this talk about dark movies sort of... Oh, wait, uh... before, before we do that, because I, I know where you're headed... I actually had something real quick. I'm glad that all this talk about Superman came up because, for one thing, it points out to me how desperately we really, really, really need to do a Superman Returns episode at some point. I'd like to. I just watched it again recently, so I'm, yeah. I'm up for that. You know, we, we did our epic Superman the movie episode way back. It's probably been over a year ago now that we did that. And I, you know... If I do say so myself, I think that was an excellent show. I, you know, I think that was one of our better episodes. Do say, but also, you know, I, I'd really like to go in depth about Superman Returns, either as an episode or a, a DVD, you know, watch along commentary thing, something like that. But also, uh, Mike, I was listening to your show not long ago, uh, FCTC, and you guys were talking about. I, I think it was during your letters um, segment, you know, where you were reading uh, listener emails. And somebody wrote in saying, you know, I'd really like to hear you guys talk about Superman 4. And I was kind of hoping what what ended up happening would happen where, where you and Jeffrey were like, you know, we'd really like to, but, you know, it's not really the format of our show. And so you decided not to do it because I'd like to invite you guys to come on to this show and the four okay. of us tackle Superman 4 together. Because I know that you and I... Uh, you know, have, have similar viewpoints that neither one of uh -huh. us hate that movie. I mean, I, no, I find I a lot to love in Superman Four, as a matter of fact. So, I'd love to have you and Jeffrey join uh, Chris and I for that, and and really do it upright with a with a Superman Four episode. You know, to to I, show that one some much needed love. I'd totally like to do that. Uh, I'd rather do that than Superman Returns because actually. Jeffrey and I are going to do a commentary for views on Superman Returns, which you guys are more than welcome to join us with. So <laughs> that we're going to be recording in a few weeks. Well, we should do a we should do a like a crossover thing. Then we'll, we'll come join you guys for that, and you guys come join us for Superman Four. I think that that could be fun. Yeah, Jeffrey's never been on views, so this will be a nice. Uh, and it really doesn't. Oh, fit. did like, you say? I'm sorry. Did you say views? I, I was. You, yeah. you said that, and I was thinking of CT. Okay, yeah. But yeah, because you're right. It really doesn't fit the format of the show, like, like right. doing a commentary on or talking really in depth about either film. So yeah, that works out great. I'll I'll, uh, I'll let them know, and we'll we'll get this planned out. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll you have your people call my people, and <laughs> I knew we'll get it all straight. We'll out. get it all lined up. Yep. But uh, lastly, on Superman, um, something happened to me the other day that that really took me aback. Which was, uh, I can't remember what the the context was now, but it was something on Facebook where I, I posted something about something or other, and I said something. Oh, I know what it was. It was about uh, your returning to the Superman books, just to bring uh -huh. this conversation full circle. And I made some comment about my favorite character. 
And somebody, I wish I could give credit where credit's due, but I can't remember who it was. But somebody wrote in and, and just asked me, well, who is your favorite character? They, they had no idea who I was talking about. And that really took me aback because I was like, wow, you know, is that really a mystery? And I got to thinking, I was like, I, I guess it is. I guess I hadn't really talked about it that much or enough or anything like that. It's not like it's one of, you know, the 50 podcasts I participate in or anything, you know, that my favorite character is Superman. Uh-huh. And, well, I and that. it's, I guess it's kind of odd too, you know, that, you know, I'm not reading the books currently. So I, you know, I don't really discuss, you know, what's going on currently with the character. So I guess anybody that hasn't been listening to our show since the very beginning may not realize that. And, uh, Man, you know, it makes me feel kind of bad that uh, I, I wish I had the time, you know, to do something more devoted to Superman. But then again, you know, there's there's all these Superman podcasts that are out there now. I can't think of uh, uh, somewhere where you could really break in at this point. You know, there's not really an era of Superman that's not being covered one way or the other. I mean, you you and uh, Jeffrey are doing my favorite, you know, iteration of Superman with, you know, with the From Crisis to Crisis era. You know, you got John Wilson doing uh, Golden Age. and uh, As well as Michael Bradley. Um, I haven't gotten to listen to his show yet. I just got caught up on John's. Wh- so, which uh, one is that, Michael Bradley? Which one? Which He's doing the Golden Age, too, because him and John had the idea at the exact same time. Oh, okay. Uh, and they both decided to go through with it. And it actually, from what John has said on his show, it works out because they both have kind of different ways of approaching the material. But his is called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman. Oh, and okay. I'm going to plug something right now. And I, I don't know why I feel bad about plugging this, but all the shows Scott is about to mention, you can find in one central location at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, it's actually something that came about because Billy Hogan, who hosts the Superman Fan Podcast, uh-huh. uh, and I were talking right around Thanksgiving about all of these new Superman podcasts popping up and that, you know, he goes, you know, somebody should really get like a web ring or something. Right. And I, and I was like, you know what? I've got bandwidth. WordPress blogs are easy as crap yep. to design and you can get, have like users on it so they can post it independently of me having to do anything. So I just set it up. Steve Eunice of the Superman homepage did the logo, and recently uh, J. David Weeder, uh, who was going to be on Views probably around the time that this one, this episode comes out, talking about Superman's Secret Origin with me, um, bought the URL. So it's been a real communicative effort, and it's been really awesome to see these people all enthused about like a central place for Superman podcasts. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, don't pimping. don't feel bad about about plugging that at all cuz I it's actually probably better to do it that way than that way I'm not forgetting somebody cuz I, <laughs> I can't remember everybody that that's part of that but you know, I wish I had the time to to do something devoted to Superman myself, you know, to to really, you know, show my love for that character. Maybe maybe at some point I'll, I'll be able to work out some maybe like a quarterly, you know, do specials or something, you know, focusing on a on a storyline or one of the movies or something like maybe, maybe I can toy with that idea. Cause I, I would love to do something Superman related. 
you well, you're going to be on FCTC uh, in a couple of months for Eclipso, The Darkness Within. Yeah. Uh, to talk about to the that. Superman Captain Marvel fight. So I'm really I love any time those two tussle. Anytime Sa- Superman and Captain America tussle, I, I am so there. That would be probably. awesome to see. It would what, be what? awesome to see Superman and Captain America fight, actually. Oh, is that what I said? Captain yeah. Marvel yeah. is what I meant to say, Captain Marvel. <laughs> no, I. It's like know, America it, fighting America, man. It is. And I, I don't know who I want to win. <laughs> I knew you that there was going to be a little bit of disappointment on your part. And, you know, you and I talked about a lot of things that we're not going to bring up on air, obviously. But, you know, it is because of that love of the character that it's just like, God, I've been... I did it for 23 straight years. And it's not that I was like going through the DTs or withdrawal, like, you know, in the nine months that I wasn't collecting it. But I realized, one, I kind of missed it. And two, I've carved out a niche for myself in Superman fandom. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that's like, you're not reading the current books. Everyone else is. And everyone else is talking about it. You're losing street cred. And I don't think that's how it was. But I get really irrational thoughts sometimes. No, there's... That's, you know... I mean, the thing about it is Superman spans such a long period of time and means so many different things to so many people that, you, you, you know... I mean, there's no way... If you wanted to start at the beginning to work your way up to what's going on currently, it would take you years and years and years and years to do that. You know? So, I mean, there's plenty to... You know, there's plenty of room to go to where... What you like and talk about that and... For t- till almost infinity, so right. you know it's it's better really to have you talking you to about it, the Scott. stuff you like than you know than going okay. I'm going to drag myself out and buy the newest Superman book and read it and talk about it and you know and have a show where month after month you're going ah well I just didn't really like this comic that much you know <laughs> right fucking <laughs> yeah it'd be but, kind of a downer man but I loved your your episodes. Uh, when you would do like a segment on this show uh, before you guys really had your format nailed down. I need to get back to that at some point, actually, because I did enjoy doing that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm still, uh, you know, I I had, uh, I don't know if I came right out and announced it or not, but uh, uh, I think I made mention a while back that I was, you know, toying with the idea of a solo show. So I, I still haven't quite nailed down what the format of that might be, but one of the things was, you know, I, I know this happens with you, Mike, where, you know, you get this idea, you know, you, you get a fixation for a, a while and you're like, damn, I wish I had the time to do, you know, a, a podcast about X, Y, and Z, but you just don't have the time to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. You've got so many other commitments and so many other irons in the fire, but I thought, you know, if, if I could come up with some sort of solo thing you know then you can have like rotating segments you know so then you know you might not have time to do you know the rom space night cast but you know maybe you could you know devote you know every every so many episodes you know you cover two or three you know issues of that series you know something like that so i might i might find a way to squeeze superman into something like that you know but it's just uh it's just a pipe dream at this point. Well, before we go to break, uh, Chris, I think where you were headed before was uh, to right. our top five list, right? That's right. 
And I so, want to go uh, first this time. All right. Well, you you go ahead and announce guys... what the top five is, and uh, and I want to hear your list on this. Well, yeah, the top five. I I, I believe your assignment last week was to take a, a dark comic, you know, a dark series of comics, or you know, a dark a dark subjected comic, and just sort of brighten it up a little bit, just sort of make it a little more, or or a little less depressing. So right, and. Uh, this, I, I mean, this was an easy one since there are there's just like an infinite palette of of uh, dark comics out there. So, number one on my list is uh, the Dark Knight and a baby, and uh, you know Batman <laughs> finds a baby and he's. Just, I had Watchmen and a baby. <laughs> oh man, great minds think alike. And you know Batman has to care. You know the baby doesn't take formula well, so Batman has to wear like the fake boobs and breastfeed and stuff, and you know all sorts of crazy ad- adventures in- ensue. You know, and oh, um, that's hilarious that we both came up with something like that. Um, the second one was uh, directed by Leonard Nimoy too. <laughs> exactly, and there's a scene with a ghost kid in the background. Um, <laughs> been a legend <laughs> yes it's it was a standee actually is what that was in the background of that for the debunkers out there uh number two uh i would take the death of superman and change it into the badly sprained ankle of superman or something like that you know or some supervillain throws a piece of green kryptonite at him and superman trips over it or something and you know has to limp for a while um now I had Watchmen on my list too, but um, I wouldn't change the title of Watchmen or anything. I would just add a character, and it's kind of a what was that guy in? Was it in the the Flintstones that had the Great Gazoo? <laughs> yes. Remember the Great yes. Gazoo? Well, there would be a sort of Great Gazoo like character that you know just sort of pops up, and he he's sort of like the sidekick of the comedian, and he's called the Heckler. And he'll just he just pops up and makes fun of the comedian, you know, makes it cracks a joke and when the comedian's, you know, you know, bashing someone's head flat against the sidewalk, you know. So um and uh referring back to last month, I'm gonna take Craven's last hunt. And, oh no. And I'm gonna call it Craven's Last Brunch. And it's where Craven goes out to get some some you know Indian food brunch and gets a bad case of food poisoning and has the runs for like six months for six issues you know something like that. I was nervous what word you were gonna rhyme with hunt there for for just a moment. You mean brunch? No. Oh, hunt. You're right. Yeah. No. Come on. What like do you think? Mike? What do you people think of me? <laughs> okay, well. so so that being said, <laughs> number five, I'm going to take Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. Oh no! And I'm going to turn it into a porno title called Arkham Ass Asylum. <laughs> a serious mouth on a serious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's a horrible, horrible um scene where where. Uh, the Batman character gets raped by Killer Cock. So, so I sort of tricked you with the Raven's last hunt and, and threw the filthy stuff into number five. Yes. 
But that's how I would do it. Oh, man. That is if you consider porn lighter than a dark comic, which... I would hope so. It depends on the porn, I guess, now that I think about it. All right, who's going next? I'll go next. Uh, the dread in your voice, these, man. These, these are uh, these are not in any particular order, but um, I would take Dark Knight Returns and turn it into the best little whorehouse in Gotham. Ooh, I where like Batman is the Burt Reynolds character, Catwoman is the Dolly Parton character, and the Joker is the Dom DeLuise character. Ooh, yes. And Jim Gordon is the Jim Neighbors character, and it's it's basically. <laughs> Batman kind of keeps, you know, turns a blind eye to the whorehouse because he's in love with Catwoman, but it gets, you know, everything gets all fakakta, and the place has to shut down, and, you know, Catwoman sings to him, so that, that'd be kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd like to turn Blackest Night, but instead of, like, all the Black Lanterns trying to take over, that Necron comes back and wants everyone to race, like, at a cannonball run. I think that would be awesome. Uh just to see all the dead characters in a big car race, you know, like, you know, like and it'd races. be really gross because, you know, when the two women get pulled over, like they'd unzip and like the boob would fall off. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to take uh, daredevil born again. And instead of him, like, you know, shattering and, and building himself up again as a person, he actually becomes a evangelical yes, preacher. Yes. <laughs> and starts to uh, opens up a church and converts the kingpin and it's a big happy thing. And it kind of turns into Bible man. I got the that. tagline. <laughs> I was Jesus. blind and now I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to take Watchmen and turn it into Three's Company where um, Night Owl lived with the her daughter Silk Spectres and Rorschach is uh, Larry, who lives downstairs, and they all hang out at the Regal Beagle. And um, Ozymandias is the Mr. Furley character. I think that's <laughs> And <laughs> I didn't come up with a fifth one. Oh. I have a top four, but those, those were pretty much the ones that I was thinking about, uh, especially the Three's Company one, because I, I, I think... Somebody out there needs to do a drawing of the older Silk Spectre, the younger Silk Spectre, Night Owl, and Rorschach hanging out at the Regal Beagle. And all the crazy misunderstandings they get involved in and their shenanigans. If if we can get somebody to give us Batman versus Jesus, I think we can get somebody to give us that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got, Scott? All right, here we go. Number five, each spring from Marvel Comics, the Punisher's Kitten Special. Ooh. (laughs) I like that. Okay, from Image Comics, Walking Dead Super Stories. (laughs) Has to have Vinny That's the best one yet, man. Oh, my God. Can, um, can, can Tyrese be easy reader? <laughs> no, it could be, you know, you have the kit, you have Morgan and Dwayne. Morgan could be Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Number three, Alan Moore's V for Viewmaster. <laughs> All right, I already gave you Watchmen and a Baby. I actually liked that one a lot. I like that one, too. And number one, all right, one of the hot new properties from uh, from Disney right now, 
mashed up with one of the filthiest, dirtiest, sexiest, goriest, most violent comics of the 1980s, I give you Phineas and Faust. <laughs> oh, God! Oh, talk about, like... Or Dr. Doofenshmirtz tries to take over the Tri-State area! Oh, man, talk about your child abuse. Oh, my God. I know what we're going to do today. Scream and torture. <laughs> and that's my list. Oh, good. That was sufficiently Not wrong. Not that I watched any of the It's an awesome show. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. I think we should take a break and come back yes. once yes, we've I composed ourselves. <laughs> or decomposed ourselves or whatever happens in between segments here. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. I got to piss like a man. Hello, and thank you for calling the Tales of the Justice Society of America 24-hour live human being customer service hotline. Hello, I... Unfortunately, all uh, of our representatives are sleeping. Or busy. Uh, busy. All of our representatives are busy right now. But if you stay on the line, your call will be answered in reverse Hungarian alphabetical order, starting with the letter... Bato. Okay. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. All right. We are experiencing longer than usual wait times. Your call will be answered in... Cock. Bulls. Minutes. Please continue to hold. Your call is extremely important to us. Please <sighs> Check us out on the web at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com. Your call is ridiculously important to us. Yeah, my call's so important, then why don't you answer it? What the fuck is taking so long? You may be asking yourself, what the fuck is taking so long? Um, Please be sure that while your call is of vital importance to us, we will get to it when we're good and goddamn... Um, rather, um, we'll be with you shortly. Please continue to hold. Answer. Answer the goddamn. <laughs> Let me check. Is he still there? Ah! Hey guys, he's still holding. Oh! We're sorry for your wait. Please continue to hold. God damn it! Tales of the Justice Society of America returns soon with brand new episodes. Stay tuned. Michael Bailey. And I am Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? 
Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle-scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number 1 in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world, and when these comics were published and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and Beyond. And write into the show at FromCrisisToCrisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air. Eventually. Because we get behind on that sort of thing. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Okay, welcome back to uh, Comics Monthly Monday, number 29. Before I forget, <laughs> we wrapped up that last segment about the... Uh, I still don't know what to call that segment. It's not really top five, but that's what we keep calling it. So I guess I guess that's what we're going to call it, top five. But anyway, next time around, we are going to be talking about uh, some of our favorites, five of our favorites, Marvel Comics uh, limited series, well, miniseries, I guess, rather, right? Miniseries. No, from, limited. That's what they called them. Same thing, Limited yeah. series? Okay. From, from the, what? From just strictly from the 80s? Well, you know... I think that was like the golden age of Marvel limited series. So yeah, I mean, be... we, we don't even have to limit it to that, but that's where most of mine are coming from. Yeah, that's where a lot of mine are going to be coming from, too. I mean, I'm not counting events like Secret Wars or Infinity Gauntlet. Right, those, right. Those are kind of another battle. Yeah. It be like six issues or under. Yeah. You know, it's like two to that, six issues. Events. Right. No, I'm talking like... Not that I ever read it, but a good example is like the the Jack of Hearts limited spe- series. Yeah, like devote you know four issues to that character. So right. or like the one that I know is my number one. You know, it, it was like one of the most popular limited series ever in the eighties. So you know, there's a tease. Rock but yeah, I, I think that works. <laughs> All right. Um. Chris, you had something to talk about with uh, with comic shops, right? I actually, yes. Johnny Bueno from the the comic bag was was in town this weekend and took me to a comic shop I'd never been to in one of the suburbs of Rochester, Penfield. And uh, this place has been around since the eighties. I never. It was in the back of a strip mall. You know, you'd never find it. It's half comic shop, 
and then the like back third of it is like a science store with science toys, you know, dinosaur toys and you know chemistry sets and stuff like that. And uh, oh my God, what a classic '80s comic shop! You could tell. Here, here's the. Um, it's called Wonderland Comics. Here's the email email address. It doesn't. I got a flyer from the place. It doesn't have its address on it, but it's uh, Wonderland Comic at AOL.com. So you know it's been around for a while. And it was neat. I I bought some I bought some comics there. Put up a Two True Freaks flyer. It's uh sweet. One of the one. Hopefully the guy who who owned it. Maybe he'll tune in and and listen. Um, but uh, it was it had a massive. You could tell like he built most of his stock in the eighties. Like when we were collecting, like all the amazing Spider Mans that I used to buy were there. But the back issues were kind of expensive. You know, all those old eighties. Amazing Spider-Mans were like, you know, ten to fifteen dollars, nine dollars, stuff like that. But there was a lot of stuff. If it's not in a bag with a price on it, it's cover price. And there was stuff from the eighty. You know, I found all these um, kitchen sink from from the like eighty three. I think they were uh, reprints of the Spirit for for like they were marked up like twenty five cents. And then a bunch of the Will Eisner. Um, quarterly magazines that I think Kitchen Sink put out that were uh, cover price. You know, they're two twenty five. Damn. Yeah, and that they're awesome. You know, a lot of a lot of that stuff was collected into you know graphic novels and stuff like that. But it's it's really good and it has a really um like a really nice interview with Neil Adams in it by Will Eisner. You know, so it's two comic guys talking, so it's very interesting and very like insidery in depth. So yeah, it was a it was a neat little <clears throat> neat little comic shop, and it's always awesome to f- go to a new one in my own own backyard, basically. Your own, you know, your own neck within, of the woods, within twenty minutes of my house. So I have a new place to go. I'm going to go in there with a list of um, spirit comics that I'm missing for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was that was that was about it for. For that, I'm uh, yep, very pleased. Very pleased. Wonderland you, Comics, Penfield, New York. Well, you went to a new, uh, new to you comic shop. I went to a new to me comics show. Yes, I went to. It's a little bigger Megacon. than a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a lot bigger than a show. I went to MegaCon in uh, Orlando, Florida. This was uh, right at the end of last month. See, uh, I, I had a. I think it was last Comics Monthly Monday, I, I had a little uh, trailer that I created, a little promo I created that I stuck on the episode for MegaCon. I think it was last month. Anyway, but, you know, our, our Comics Monthly Monday episodes, the, you know, they're scheduled just in such a way that uh, I actually went to the convention, like, days after that episode aired. So for, like, a month now, I've been itching to, to talk about uh, MegaCon, but... I won't go real long into it just because it has been a while since uh, since the convention all. It was uh, it was really awesome. I would encourage anybody that's got you know the means to go. You know if you if you live close enough to where you can you know drive down for it you know for the weekend or whatever, definitely check it out. What I liked about it was that it wasn't terribly expensive. I mean you know if you bought your ticket you know that day at the door it was only like twenty five bucks or something like that. You know you got a bit of a break if you bought your ticket ahead of time. You know like I did. Um, lots and lots of celebrities there, you know, whether you're into comics, you know, there were lots of comics people there. If you're into, 
you know, the whole sci-fi scene. There was lots of those people there. So, you know, I got to meet up, you know, with uh, with our buddy Gil Gerard again. And and uh, there was lots of people there. Um, you know, Cindy Morgan, who I, I looked at from afar, but I decided not to go over and, and approach her at her table or anything. Although the, at the time there was like nobody at her table or anything. But I was just like, what would I say, you know? It's like, gee, I liked you in Tron. You know, it's like that's all I'm aware of, you know, of, of her career was, you know, the, the bit part she played in that movie. Um, but there were lots and lots of, uh, of you know, like media celebrities there. But what I really enjoyed was uh, was the comic people that were there, you know, and uh, I got uh, I took a bunch of comics with me, you know, in preparation, you know, hoping to get them signed. And uh, man, did I get some good stuff. Um, from Roy Thomas, um, oh, Mike, you remember a, a couple months back, you know, our, our buddy uh, Jose Rivera sent us each a copy of uh, All Star Co- uh, Squadron Number One. Yeah, that he had gotten signed by uh, by Rich Buckler. So I took that, got that signed by Roy Thomas. You know, I have it signed by both you know the author and the artist. That's nice. awesome. That's definitely you know going to have a special place of honor in my collection. You know, that's. That's something I'm, I'm going to just cherish. I took, uh, also I have um, one copy that's just about mint condition. It's uh, one of the 30 cent editions of Star Wars number one, you know, Marvel Comics Star Wars number one. I took that, had that signed by Roy Thomas. So that was pretty cool. Um, Mike Grell was there, or not Mike Grell, uh, Mike, Michael Golden rather was there. And uh, I got him to sign Batman Special Number One. That's the uh, the player on the other side story. One of my favorite Batman stories. Had him sign that Micronauts Number One. I got signed. Um, met Mark Wade, and uh, he was a hell of a nice guy. We had a nice conversation and everything. He was uh, he was really really cool. Got was him look- to sign. Uh, what's that? I was looking at a Bucky O'Hare hardcover at that comic shop. Oh yeah, it was forty bucks. So. Did he write that? Michael Golden drew it. Is, oh, Michael! Oh, I'm okay. back on Michael Golden. That's, sorry. That's right. I forgot about that. I think I've got one or two issues. Now you know what I think I have. I think I have an issue where he crossed over with another character, like like Savage Dragon, or maybe I'm thinking of Destroyer Duck. I'm not sure. I don't know if I have any Bucky O'Hare now that I think about it. From Mark Wade, I got. Uh, what was it here? Uh, Captain America 444 and 445, which Sweet. was great, great stuff. And I told him, I said, you know, I love Captain America. He's one of my favorite characters. I said, but, you know, there are precious few, you know, really, truly awesome runs of Captain America. And I said, yours is, you know, top of the list for me. And that, that seemed to really touch him that I said that, you know, he thanked me for, for telling him that. Also got to meet uh, Ron Mars and shook his hand and thanked him profusely for doing what, you know, previously no one had ever been able to do, which was make me give a shit about Green Lantern. You know, his run these days, I I constantly hear a lot of people giving it crap, you know. What? and, And saying bad things about his run on Green Lantern. You know, I loved his run on Green Lantern. You know, having uh, what's that? I said, do that shit around me. See how far that gets you. Well, you know, I was really surprised to hear. I didn't attend the panel, but there was a panel, uh, a DC panel, in which both he and Ethan Van Skyver was there. Ethan Van Skyver is one of the guys I've really heard. Uh, you know, 
saying bad things. It, this was in uh, Back Issue Magazine not long ago. You know, he was on record as, as really bashing uh, Mars's run on Green Lantern. And I was like, dude, what the hell, you know? So, but yeah, Mars was, uh, was heck of a nice guy and uh, signed my uh, copy of Green Lantern 51, the... Uh, it's it, you know it's what a lot of people will call the first appearance of uh, of Kyle Rayner. It's not really. It's just the issue where he became, yep, you know, Green Lantern. It's got him on the cover and everything. But uh, you know that was really cool. I really enjoyed the uh, the convention, although uh, the the downside to it was there was just way too way people. too many people. Yeah, it it was just. Crazy. Crazy. That's crazy a good si- good good thing, bad thing, yeah. Yeah, it was a good thing because it was nice, you know, to see that wow, you know, you know, your interest. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of interest there, you know, that y- you you don't feel so alone in your nerdiness, you know, because there's so many other people there. Some of them, you know, much Well, I was going to say you probably don't feel as deep into your nerdiness cuz there's always going to be somebody ner- It's like the tough guys at the biker bar. There's always someone tougher. There's always a bigger right. fish. Right. There's always a smellier oh, nerd, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, it, it's weird, you know, something I never ever do is leave a convention, especially one that I've paid for early. But I ended up leaving early that day just because you know, after I'd gone around, I'd met all the celebrities I wanted to see and got all the autographs I wanted to get, with one big exception. Um, George Perez was there, and I had taken a, a comic that, that means a lot to me personally, has a lot of sentimental value, and I had my money in hand and everything, and I wanted to have him, you know, personally sign it for me and all that, and, you know... And long story short, his handlers were just really, really rude and obnoxious to a point where I was finally like, you know what, the hell with this. It's just not worth the aggravation. So nothing against George, who you know is always a very gracious person when, when you talk to him and when you meet him and everything, but his handlers just put me off so much that, that I decided to just forego you know, the, the experience that time and you know, I'll just I'll I'll catch him some other time. But what, what what was the deal? Were they rude or just? Yeah, they were really they were really rude. You know, they were just. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really think of another way to describe it other than they were just. They were box really, lighteners. Yeah, well, I mean, they were just. <laughs> it was like they were trying to uh, to discourage people from from coming around. You know. And it's like I kept checking back, you know, to see when when he was going to have signings or what. And I did this like three or four times. And and every time they were like, look, you know, George isn't going to be doing any signings till five, you know, basically telling you, hey, get lost, kid. Yet every time I went, there was a line of people getting autographs. And it was like, okay, so it's obvious that this line keeps stopping and starting, stopping and starting. But every time I tried to go get in the line they were shooing people away and telling him, you know, not to come back until five o'clock. So, you know, every time I found myself back in the area again, I went over to check and every time there was a new line of people getting stuff signed. It's not like they there might have been some back. weird fan club or something that I had an agreement that was like, we'll show up at two o'clock and three right. o'clock and but it was it was really yeah. it was aggravating and you know especially you know like as I say you know when you're when you're there cash in hand and and you know they won't let yeah. you go ahead and just get in the line it was like okay well uh, finally it was like well you know screw it 
I'll do it another time or or I won't, you know. But as I say, nothing against George who who, you know, I did get to talk to for a minute. He was super cool and everything. It was just it was it was aggravating, you know, because that was actually one of the big things I had actually gone there for was to to see him. So anyway, after you know, doing the celebrity thing and, and all that and touring the floor. They had an awesome Star Wars section there. You know, the, the droid builder section was, to me, actually I probably... I saw your pictures. That was awesome. Go to Scott's Facebook page. You can yeah. see pictures of all the awesome R2s. Yeah. And, you know, so after doing all that, then you really the only other thing to do would be to shop. And I did have a little bit of money with me, not much. But you really couldn't shop at all because anything that was like a really good deal as far as like 50 cent bins or what were down on the floor and you couldn't really kneel down on the floor to look through any of them because it was just wall to wall people and you would get trampled to death, you know. So after a time, I was just like, you know, I'm tired of, you know, because it would be one of these instances where you were just kind of carried on the tide of human bodies, you know, just, you know, pushed along. So you had to, you know, you you didn't want to be, you know, the salmon trying to swim upstream. So you just kind of followed the flow. But then what would happen is you would get to the end of an aisle and it would be a four way intersection and nobody's moving. You know what I mean? You've you've got like some dudes in a wheelchair or a bunch of green lanterns are standing around, you know, posing for pictures or something. So nobody's moving, you know. You a bunch got, of green lanterns and wheelchairs, or <laughs> yes, you've got you know thousands of people at this intersection just standing there, and everybody's looking at everybody else, going, you know, what the fuck? Why aren't we going anywhere? You got the and, Hulk on a hover round. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you know, you do that three or four times during a day, and it's just like, okay, I've had enough. You know, this is a little bit too much togetherness. So. So we ended up leaving in just a little bit early, but actually that that worked out pretty cool too. Because then as we were leaving, and we were out in the like the main lobby area, which was a lot less congested, um, I was approached by a listener to the show. Um, I sure hope I pronounce his last name right. His name is Ed, and it's S A L O. It's Sallow, I guess. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Ed, write in and let me know if I if I just horribly butchered your name, but. He and a, and a friend of his, who he introduced me to, and I, I cannot remember what his friend's name was, but uh, they were both really great guys. And uh, Artie Finkelstein, <laughs> Ed is a uh, is a devoted listener to the show, so I wanted to make sure to to give him a, a shout out. And it was just really cool to be, you know, recognized and you know and stopped and you know. And, you uh, weren't by any chance wearing your two true freaks t shirt, were you? I was wearing my two <laughs> true freaks shirt, so I, you know. Yeah, I was. So it was it was really cool. I, I had a very good time. I would recommend it. Although, um, if I attend again, I'm I don't think I'm going to go on a Saturday because I heard that Friday was much more manageable, and I heard Sunday was dead, which is actually kind of hard for me to believe. But Saturday was anything but. So if I go again uh, next time around, it will definitely not be on the Saturday. But uh, as I say, it was a, it was a good time, and uh, and I enjoyed it very much. And uh, Billy Hogan, who we mentioned a little while ago, host of the uh, Superman Fan Podcast, um, 
was supposed to try to join me tonight for uh, for a discussion of MegaCon because he told me he wanted to uh, to join us and uh, and talk about because he was there as well. Unfortunately, had to work this evening, so uh, he wasn't able to join us. But maybe at some future point, we'll be able to have him on the show and uh, and chat it up with him because Billy's a really cool guy. Yeah, yeah. But that's about all I got. It's about MegaCon. I liked it. I'm hoping next year that we can save up and maybe get to go with you. Yes. If I can make it happen. Make it happen. Make it so. Make it so. Um, one of the... I don't know if it was MegaCon or WonderCon because they kind of came out on the heels of each other. Mm-hmm. But some some new footage and an extended trailer of uh, Green Lantern came out. And, and I have been... That was WonderCon. Pretty, that was WonderCon? Okay. WonderCon. I have been... Um, I, I have... I haven't wanted to see the film really all that much. I mean, I want to see it, but it's not like, ooh, it's not like Captain America with that first trailer, that first full trailer yeah. came out. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. That made me cry. Um, and Thor looks really awesome. And even X-Men, you know, first class looks really good. And I was like, God, you know, I'm going to see it because it's a DC film. I'm kind of a DC guy, even though I've been getting more into Marvel and becoming kind of equal on the two, except when it comes to Superman. And I sat down and watched a video that somebody put out, like, soon after. And I got to say that Ryan Reynolds kind of sold me on him being Hal Jordan. They're, oh, dude. They they show him finding Abin Sur, and instead of him being in a little, like, you know, model rocket thing, uh, like a test rocket that gets dragged out and, you know, he finds Abin Sur, he's just kind of like, contemplatively looking in the distance and he sees the ship crash and he gets the ring and uh you know abinser is like one of his dying words is charge the ring and 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 you know say the oath and it shows ryan reynolds like sitting on his couch with the lantern in front of him right and he's like say the oath and he starts doing like the typical ryan reynolds thing where he's just being a little silly and he's got great comic timing and I'm like, oh, God, this is what I thought it was. But he touches the ring to the lantern, and he gets blown back. And he starts reciting the oath, and his eyes turn green. And the way, the conviction that he had saying it, I'm like, oh, my God, he looks kind of awesome. Oa looks great. Uh, I hope that they can clean it up a little more, because it's, uh, there, there's always the danger at this point in seeing trailers of a film where there's a lot of CGI it's because not finished. yeah, yeah. It, it's not completely finished so it looked very video game-ish with all yeah. the other Green Lanterns there and, and him kind of looking silly and I don't like the concept of the computer generated suit because I, I again I hope it comes out fine I just have bad feelings about it but it looks a lot better than I thought it was going to, and I like the fact that Sinestro seems to be a Green Lantern instead of being the bad guy for the film, because it's kind of like what they should have done with Harvey Dent. They should have introduced him in the first film, because that would have made his fall in the second film. They did. He was Billy D. Williams. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, I got nothing to say. Billy D. Williams! <laughs> some smooth, smooth Colt 45. Uh, but it... I am looking forward to the film more now than I was before. And 
I'm not saying this is going to be the greatest superhero film ever. I know that there are a lot of people very excited for it. I know that after hearing Jeff Johns at a panel at one of the big conventions from last year, that you know he believes that Superman and Batman have had their shots. It would be nice for other characters in the DC pantheon to get their big budget movies. Uh, I will say this. They've been doing a fairly craptacular job getting the product out there. <laughs> Marvel has been kind of wiping the floor with them in terms of these films. Yep. And I think their decision to not have the films connect to each other is a terrible, terrible idea. Because the cool thing about the Marvel films, especially since 2008 when Hulk and Iron Man came out, is that it is kind of building to the Avengers. And right. makes, you're building a universe, and if, hey, say Iron Man burns out and the Iron Man movies aren't any good anymore, you can always branch off into – you can keep introducing people and, you know, it's – yeah. But, you know, when, when all of this is going to be under Warner Brothers' roof, it's kind of tailored to have them connected. And I don't know why they don't want them. I don't, I don't know if they don't want to pay the stars and lock them down into contracts I don't know if they if they it seems like they want to attract directors that are going to do their own singular vision and maybe that doesn't fit into their overall scheme of how they want to do these films but let's face it what have we had in the last 11 years from DC heroes as far as movies we had Catwoman which was god awful <laughs> Uh, we had Batman Begins and Dark Knight, which were very god awful. <laughs> I was trying to, but successful. Uh, but we successful, had, yes. We had Superman Returns, which I think that if it didn't have to tack on the budget for all the other Superman films, would have been considered a high-grossing film. Right. And you had Jonah Hex. You had Watchmen. Uh, you had The Losers and. The Losers and Watchmen are kind of... They're not brand-name heroes. Jonah Hex is not a brand-name DC character. Right. But, you know, they've got these animated films that have been knocking it out of the park. Did you see Jonah Hex, by the way? No, I, I kind of refused to. So. I was just curious, because uh, I'll tease it real quick right here. Uh, I finally got around to seeing it. Chris has seen it as well. Uh, a Jonah Hex special is forthcoming. From Choo Choo Freaks. Oh, I thought you said Jonah Hash. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta yeah. watch that now. But even the bad Marvel films, even Daredevil and Ghost Rider, which you know both were ironically directed by Mark Steven Johnson. I actually liked Ghost Rider. I don't. I the origin sequence was fantastic. The origin in the Ghost Rider movie was amazing. There were problems with... Okay, I didn't like Eva Mendes. I thought she was wooden. Uh, I thought Nicolas Cage was fine in that film, and the special effects were really good. I liked the way Ghost Rider looked. I'll tell you um, what, that's that's another one that, that needs to get thrown on the list of, uh, of we need to rewatch the movie and do an episode about it sometime, because... Uh, I only ever saw it the one time, but I watched it and I was like, gee, I wonder what everybody hated about this. But I think what helped me was that my complete ignorance of the character actually probably <laughs> really, you know, went a long way to my enjoying the movie. If, if I had been somebody who 
My, my understanding is that they were not at all faithful to the character. But see, I didn't know that because I don't know. They they did it. They did an amalgamation of all of the Ghost Riders. Oh, okay. You know, it was Johnny Blaze, but it also had some elements from Danny Ketch, especially in his look. Right. Of having, like, the biker look, whereas the original Ghost Rider didn't have the studs and stuff on him. Right. But but even those films, I mean, the, the, they had their weaknesses, but they were all pretty much true to the characters. And they've been coming out on a fairly regular basis. I think there was one year in the last... 11 that you didn't have a Marvel film, maybe two. Uh, I know one didn't come out in 2001, but it's like every year after that, there seemed to be a big budget Marvel film coming out. You know, whether it's in February or at the, you know, end of September or one of the big tentpole, you know, summer blockbuster films. And, it, and, it, and it's a damn shame that a company like Warner Brothers, which is a, you know, a big movie studio, yeah, you know, they that, should that, be able to do it if they want to. Exactly, but the fact is it doesn't look like they want to. And I think they're, they've got this Superman thing into production, and one of the reasons why they had to do that was they risked losing the license to do so. Mm. Uh, mm. If they didn't get it into production by 2012... Uh, you know, they seem to be making all the right steps with it, as I was talking about before. But they've got that, and they've got Green Lantern, and they've got, you know, they're, they're casting and starting up Dark Knight Rises. But that's all very well and good, but that's still not kicking it out on a regular basis, like the animated films have been coming out. And, you know, I, I think if they could somehow get the awesomeness of the animated films into the live action films that are coming out not like three a year like the animated films do but maybe like one or two a year then they could probably start gaining back some of the ground they've lost from Marvel because Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now you go into Walmart you go into Target you look at the t-shirts and you look at the you know the, the the sleep shorts and you look at you know like even go into like the toothpaste aisle I was happy as a pig and slop. I found a Captain America electric toothbrush. But I'm not seeing a Batman one. I'm not seeing a Superman one. I'm not even seeing a Green Lantern film, and that fucking movie is coming out this year. Well, see, a lot of that, too, has to do with now Disney owns Marvel, and Disney already had inroads in all those places. So now it's basically, you know, they're just bringing more of their characters. You know what I mean? They're, so, they're taking up, yeah. They, Disney's already got the space in all those stores. So mm-hmm. once you're under the Disney banner, yeah. But they had that before. That's the thing. A lot of the stuff that I've been seeing has been there for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at the same time, a lot of that stuff, you know, Disney might not even is probably not even directly behind it. It's licensed. You know, I'm right. They they, they control the license and and control who gets to do it. So, you know, Marvel might have just shifted all, you know, all the, basically the licensing money just shifted over to Disney when, when they bought it, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, definitely when you go to like Target or Walmart or anything like that, Marvel is way more represented. It's everywhere. Even in the toy aisle, you know, you know, clothing, you know, the licensed stuff, the toy stuff, it's, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, I think it's. A matter of, you know, maybe the the marketing department of Marvel is, uh, or, you know, Disney Marvel is 
is really good and like the animation department you know the people that dis or that uh dc got together to do the animations have real good chemistry so they're pumping out good stuff and the other parts yeah maybe not so good you know so that that might explain it more than like a lack of willpower to do it well and that's why i say in a lot of ways i wish that that each of them would stop bucking the system and go with what their strength is i mean marvel's i mean i assume they want to make money right right that's part of the point of it isn't it you know right but i mean you know marvel's strength you know movie wise is with the live action stuff they you know by and large they've been nailing the the live action stuff and they're extremely hit and miss when it comes to the animated stuff whereas dc is exactly the flip-flop you know their live action stuff on the whole pretty much stinks and but they're nailing it with the animated stuff so Mm -hmm. you know to my to my mind i really kind of wish that they would lay off with the the attempts with the live action at this point i would love to see a classically animated superman movie you know i mean big screen you know i mean an actual theatrical batman movie done in a uh, you know like like a real throwback style yeah I mean, I mean I'm not talking like set in the 30s or something but in but a Fleischer style that oh, heavily yeah, sha- exactly. beautifully shadowed well, yeah. stylistic but still beautifully rendered and shadowed and detailed it, it, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because uh, all-star Superman came out at the end of uh, February I finally got it about the second week of March and watched it soon after. And uh, I had my pros, I had my cons. I talked with Chris Johnson about it for four hours. And there was a moment when I was watching that film towards the end when Superman and Lex Luthor were kind of heading to their final showdown that I got that kind of Superman 2 feeling when he's about to go up against the Phantom Zone villains. Mm-hmm. And that is when it... it <laughs> my wife just goes where she where they throw the cellophane S. Um... But, uh, but um, I got that feeling like, ooh, this is, you know, like the cab driver says in Superman 2, this is going to be good. And <laughs> it made me realize that with all of the films that they've done where Superman was either the main focus or was part of the Justice League, uh, Superman Doomsday, Justice League New Frontier, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, um, um all-Star Superman, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, that with the possible exception of Crisis on Two Earths, Superman's always been either dead or at, like, an extreme disadvantage in the film. Like, Hmm. you know, in Superman, Public Enemies, he he was the bad guy, because Lex Luthor, you know, framed him in Batman. In Apocalypse, you know, he... Wonder Woman and Batman basically get to get together and decide we know what's better than Superman, so we're going to raise the final Kryptonian. Did you uh, like the, that the, movie, by the uh, way? I liked parts of it. The big problem I have with that story is that Batman gets to have 15 fucking family titles, where Robin gets his own title, and he's part of the Bat universe, and, you know, Nightwing, and, you know, Oracle and all these characters get to be, you know, like tight Batman characters. They reintroduce Supergirl, and immediately it's like, well, Batman's one of her mentors. And I'm like, no, you dolts. 
she's a Superman character, she should be deep into the Superman universe. And it's like they don't trust Superman. They don't trust that property to stand on its own, so they gotta bring in Batman, or they gotta bring in Wonder Woman. And, you know, in All-Star Superman, he's dying. You know, and yeah, in Justice League on uh, Crisis on Two Earths, he was a badass. I loved him. He was voiced by Mark Harmon. It was great, but... You know, Batman was kind of the focus of that uh, at the end, with fighting Owlman, uh, you know, on that one world. And what I want them to do is do a classic Superman story where he's not dying, or it's not the last Superman story, but that it's just a kick-ass Superman adventure. That is what I want. I want that more than anything, really. I want them to do... And that's kind of what I'm hoping Man of Steel, which is the tentative title of the live-action film, is going to be. But they can do it so much faster and easier in animation of take a story, you know, as much as I'd love to see the Phantom Zone miniseries animated. um, That's not quite what I'm wanting to fit into this, because Superman's kind of off of Earth for an extended period in that book. Right, right, yeah. But take something like, you know, Jeffrey and I were discussing this on From Crisis to Crisis. Take something like the Eradicator storyline or, you know, um, Panic in the Sky, where Superman gets to be like the uber badass. Like he's the guy that's heading the, you know, heading the heroes or he's having just this great kick-ass adventure on his own. You know, if they could do that, it would restore my faith in, that they think Superman can kind of stand on his own and doesn't need bullshit emo emotions thrown onto it. So, I'll I'm done. I'm sorry I went off on a tear there. I no, but I no I completely agree with you because you know this has been done to Superman for a long, long time. It's it's like somehow. DC slash Warner Brothers just doesn't have faith in the character. It's like, you know, anytime he gets a TV series that lasts any length of time, they inevitably start bringing in other superheroes because they seem to think that he's just not interesting enough or, or something like that. I mean, it's it's happened with It's called the everyone. writers aren't interesting enough. Right. I mean, well, yeah, then it's why happened are you with... writing Superman? Exactly. They, they I mean, but it found... happened with, you know... As much as I love Superman the Animated Series, it happened with Superman the Animated Series. It happened with the short-lived 1988. uh, I would rather write a Batman story than a a Superman story any day. Because Superman is so strong and powerful. Oh, come on. He's so awesome and powerful that it's hard to, you know, it takes more work to find a good enemy and explain how somebody could be a threat to Superman. So I think it just takes a little more work. It's worth that extra work. See, I reject that argument out of hand. Yeah, I call shenanigans on that myself. I've heard that all my life. And to me, it's like, look. Well, that's what I would struggle with if somebody said you're writing a Superman story. It's a perfect example. You know, he never throws a punch in that entire movie. He doesn't fight anybody that's on his power level. Instead, you know... I look at it this way: If you don't think, well, that's because it was Mario Puzo wrote it, cars with his bare hands, and you know, using his body as a rail for for a railroad train, right, and right. flying down into the San Andreas Fault and restoring the fault, you know, doing no, all no, that movie was incredible thing, you know, lifting a bus. 
If that's not fascinating, if that's not really interesting, then I don't know what the hell is because I watched that movie and I'm just a little kid through the whole I'm fascinated well, that, it's that's awesome. because that movie was was written correctly by a creative writer who who said, right. "Okay, I'll get around it and I'll approach it this way." Mm-hmm. And he approached it in the spirit of of Superman, but nowadays it's so easy with CG to have a, a to see the image of a guy holding up a bus that I think people are a nerd of it, but the, it's it's what Michael was saying earlier. When you got your Christopher Reeves, when you got the actor who believes in Superman and he's holding up a bus, it's way cooler than, like, say, a CG Superman that you don't care about, you know? Right. So if you sold on the character, it, you know, if you get the character sold, he can... All he, yeah, all he has to do is do his thing, and it's fascinating, you know? The, but the, it's seems hard for people to actually do that. <laughs> well, Scott brought up an interesting point with the, like the Superman animated series is that as much as I have respect for Paul Dini and Bruce Timm and those people and what they've brought to animation in terms of the DC characters, you know, I, I'll never forget sitting there reading Wizard Magazine about a month before Superman the Animated Series hit and I about hit the freaking roof. Because one of their quotes was, you know, well, the problem with doing Superman is that intrinsically Batman is cooler than Superman. And Negative. it's just like, well, if you're if you're approaching it from that standpoint, you're not going to fail as in, you know, it's going to be terrible. But it's obviously your head is more wanting to do a Batman story. Right, right, right. And, right. and you know, my thought is, is that don't get a writer that doesn't want to write a Superman story, but, you know, we're going to throw a bunch of money at him because we want the big name. I'm, I'm, I'm right. waiting with kind of a panic-stricken terror that they're going to go, yeah, the next Superman film we're going to do for tomorrow because, well, we've got a big absolute edition, and Jim Lee did the artwork, and we can talk about that on the special features. Right. That's a terrible Superman story. It's an mm-hmm. awful Superman story. It's six months of him talking to a fucking priest. And then another six months of what the hell is going on? <laughs> Isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> <sighs> That's how right. it went in my childhood, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it does worry me in, in that aspect because a lot of the, the stories that are regarded as as the great superman stories of recent years you know much like batman before him i think are terrible stories you know for tomorrow's a perfect example that god awful uh, uh what's the name of it i think it's what's so funny about truth justice in the mirror that's a fucking terrible story that everybody holds up as like one of the great superman stories of the last 30 years and i'm like you know People that read and, and love and hold up that story, to me, it's just obvious that they don't get the character at all. You know, that they don't understand intrinsically what Superman is and what he's all about. I, th- I That story pissed me off to no end. And, and there's a number of other stories like that, too. And it's like, you know, you, you look back at Superman the movie and... You know, Christopher Reeve's Superman, he wasn't, you know, angsty and emo and all this stuff. He didn't fight, you know, some big over-the-top villain. I mean, it was... No, dude, he was like a Disney cast member. <laughs> Hello, citizen. You know, he, you know, he, 
friendly, friendly, polite, um, looking out for everybody, you know? Right. And, and just generally, just generally, like, you could see him thinking, I'm going to do and say the right thing, you know? He was like, just good, and that's what I liked about right. it. And, and that seems like that's somehow now... A, a, a dirty word, or a, or a, or it's a, considered it, boring. It, it's considered boring, and it's considered white bread, and it's considered, uh, you know, that's because just, that's just being lazy about it. That's just an excuse not to do it. You know the thing, and and you know the thing about it is we're gonna have to wait for the culture to come around. But if they did do a Superman movie where he was just plain good, like the Christopher Reeves one. They would do it for iron, you know. They would throw a lot of irony in it, or like right. lampooner, you know, lampoonery to it. So it's probably best that they don't even try at this point. And if somebody did it, it would probably tank. So we're just gonna have to wait for people to want to fill their hearts with joy and goodness again. Well, I mean, it's it's just a matter of it, it looks like they're they're constantly trying to replace. Superman's mot- original motivation of just being a good person with these fantastic powers that decides to do the right thing with them with you know they're he constantly does the right thing because he was raised right right but <laughs> it's was... like they're constantly struggling now to come up with some new motivation like just being a good person that wants to do the right thing isn't good enough you know, now you have to have angst or you have to have, you know, whatever. I think that was one of the basic problems with Superman Returns for me was that they were they were trying to overlay motivations on him that didn't ring true to me. Right, right. You know? But- well, it, it, it's also the problem with Superman Secret Origin, as I, you know, is they that they, they made, like, at the end of the story, he steps up and he's the hero. But there's always this sense of, like, self-consciousness about it. And, you know, like most of the story where Superman's flying around, people are like, well, who is he? And I don't trust him. And that's Spider-Man. Right, That's not Superman. Superman Superman can have moments of self-doubt. I want to see that because, you know, the the post-crisis era was full of moments of Superman on his own thinking, you know... What am I doing? Is this the right thing? I'm not sure that, you know, I'm going about this in the way I need to. You know, when he killed the the Phantom Zone villains, you know, it was a moment where he did it and then had to pay for that to a certain extent mentally and had a mental breakdown. But in public, when the, the time is right, when danger, you know, threatens... He's there without a moment's hesitation. And when someone's like, why are you doing this? He says with conviction, you know, paraphrasing, because you can do this a bunch of different ways. You know, I fight for truth, justice in the American way. And when you try to get away from from that part of it, that, you know, when he shows up, he, you know, he's ultra confident. I want to see that. Because that's the face that he has to put on yeah. to be Superman. Because it's like the natural inclination is to help. And when you want to lay on the, well, why am I doing this? And do I want to do this? And what do I do want to do with these powers? You know, being raised by Martha and Jonathan should have been like the, 
Well, I've yeah. always been raised to do the yeah. right thing, so that's that the natural thing it. for me to do. Yes. And they keep fucking that up. Absolutely. Well, because he's an archetype. He's an archetype. He's not meant to be thrust into, you know, if there's a place for black and whiteness, it's in Superman for good and evil. You know, that's the archetype that it that he's grown out of. He's, you know, man's. He's the super. He is the Superman. The uh, well, who was it? Jung, Jung, who came up with that, or the or the Nazis, or someone, or you know the. <laughs> The super, you know, the superhuman. He is, he's the Nietzsche, per- isn't he, it? Nietzsche, 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 yeah. Nietzsche. Well, and, but, but you and, see, that's the flip side of, of me disliking Superman stories, is that, you know, when you write him too introspective, I don't like it. When you write him as an icon, it works for a story, but it doesn't work for an ongoing narrative. Because eventually, that's going to get worn out. Elliot S. Magan wrote hundreds of Superman stories. And his idea of the perfect Superman story is that at the end of it, Superman is right, and you were uplifted. And, yeah, I want to feel that, but I also want to be entertained and see the drama of it, which is why the post-crisis era was so fantastic for me. Because I got that best of both worlds. You know, he was an icon, but he was also a guy named Clark Kent that, you know, wanted to do the right thing, was Superman, was in love with Lois Lane, had to figure that shit out, you know, reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper and all of that. So you you got to balance this character. It's a fine line. Now, there's a difference between month in and month out of a Superman comic and a movie, because I think with a movie, you can kind of get away with the archetype and the 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 icon level of the character, but if you're going to tell continued stories about that, you have to de- delve into who he who he is. And it's, it's the Joseph Campbelly law of storytelling: is you're you're telling the story of Superman to pass that archetype down. You know, you can dangle other things off it, but the archetype's there, and that's how it gets passed. You know, now through comics before around the campfire. But, you know, and I think a lot of people don't get that. There's some, I mean, there's some characters you don't have to do that with, but Superman is definitely, you know, Mickey Mouse is one of those, you know. Not to kiss up to Scott's boss, but <laughs> it's true. How is he as a boss, Scott? <laughs> he's all right. You know, he, do, you to, uh, do you get to see him much? I do get to see him quite a little bit. You know he's got the uh, you know the, the 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 cheesy breath, but you know other than that, he's easy to bribe. That's for sure. <laughs> to block a cannon bear. There you go. Some Swiss. They don't care. They just love. <laughs> I'm sure he hates those like '30s era comic strips where he's portrayed as kind of a racist and homophobe <laughs> he's like well you know it was the time my writers were you know my writers weren't you know were they they were we were paying him that much in those days <laughs> <laughs> well i've got an assignment break. guys what's that i've, I've got my oh yeah we got do. uh oh shit i forgot <laughs> are we gonna have time for the walking dead after all this We'll just have the Walking Dead. I don't think is is not going to take us too long to uh, okay to uh, we'll go see. through. We'll, we'll see how fast we can get to this. But yes, it is time for. Oh, 
Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic. I will step up to the blackboard. Uh, today's comic that I read was assigned to be to me by Hope Mullinex, who is a girl. It is Deadpool team up number eight ninety three. It is Deadpool and Captain Britain. I didn't know anything about either superhero before I read this comic. In this comic, Deadpool has a dream that is all full of James Bond references, but then is woken up by a mean Asian stereotype who throws him out of a plane. Then we see Captain Britain being sent on a mission to secure the weapons of his old enemy, the Slay Master, who is dead and is named like an evil Santa Claus. When he gets to the uncovered hideout, he sees dead troops outside and goes in the tunnel to investigate. Then Deadpool goes there too. He wants the weapons to sell to a collector in the United States. When Deadpool goes in the hall, yet another guy is there and then kicks him into the Slaymaster's booby traps which cut him into dog food. The other guy knows Slaymaster's secret codes and turns off the booby traps and then goes in the vault. Deadpool starts to reform but then Captain Britain starts to beat the crap out of him. Then the other guy shows up, all slaymastered out, and tries to kill them both. So then they team up. That is why the comic is called Deadpool Team Up. <laughs> they use a slaymaster secret weapon that switches their cultures, so Deadpool acts like a British stereotype, and Captain Britain acts like an American stereotype, even though Deadpool is Canadian. They use their new culture powers <laughs> to beat up the poor slaymaster wannabe to a pulp. The end. I learned this about Deadpool in this comic. One, he is Canadian. Two, he can <laughs> reform if you chop him up into little pieces. Three, he talks to himself a lot. And this is what I learned about Captain Britain in this comic. He is British. <laughs> this comic was funny, as in funny haha, not funny like this tuna smells funny, or he has a funny growth on his face. <laughs> The end. <laughs> bravo, sir. Bravo. Thank you. These, these are I like it. I, this is the first show. The only other thing I saw, ever saw Deadpool in was in that Wolverine, you know, movie. So, no, yeah, that synopsis, was pretty much Deadpool. Your your synopsis style has not changed in thirty some years. That's that's I, really awesome. I like I, that. Good to be consistent. <laughs> I think you there know? is no growth here. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. We fear change. <laughs> <laughs> so you liked it, huh? I did like it. the the art The art was pretty good. It, I mean, you know, it it was nothing spectacular. It was just a light. I mean, obviously, I I see Deadpool. I thought Deadpool would be a more like dark, sinister character, but I see it's more like a dark, no. humorous character, over the top. You know, no. cultural references and smart alecky stuff. So you, taken as that, it, I enjoyed it. You need to track down like the Joe Kelly. If you liked that, you need to track down like the the, the original Deadpool ongoing so- series that was written by Joe Kelly, because that was his style. It was very absurd. It was very goofy. He never shut up. Yeah, it's and, and it's me- it's meta. It's breaking the walls, and you know he responds to the you know the narrator, you know in the in the story and stuff like that. So uh, I think he's just overexposed these days because, you know, at one point there was like six ongoing 
or limited series of Deadpool running at the same time, not to mention him appearing in other titles. It was kind of like Wolverine or Punisher in the early 90s. Right, right. That's what I got the impression of. So that's why I thought he was going to be like, it was going to be a more, well, this one, I mean, um, another th- another aspect of it I liked is it reminded me of the old Spider-Man Marvel team-ups just in the fact that it's a throwaway story. You know, it's just a, a reason to get the two characters together and have some aspect of them clash or mesh and or mesh and and send them on their merry way and that's that's basically that's basically what it does you know it didn't have any pretensions to be anything but light entertainment um yeah i mean you know it it didn't it definitely isn't making me like i must seek out more deadpool after this but i wouldn't be opposed to reading reading more Deadpool. It's weird that I, uh, I, I think it might actually been you, Michael, that told me somebody was telling me that the way they number, they're numbering the series from the number 900 backwards for some reason, you know, yeah, that, gag, that would have been somebody else. Something. I have no idea why they're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, it, maybe it was, maybe it was hope who told me that, but it's uh, a lot of wishful thinking right there. That's yeah. That's uh that's quite a, um, yeah, that's quite a a lot of uh, a, a lot of Deadpool. Yeah, considering Action Deadpool Comics comics. is now just now getting around to issue nine hundred. Oh my God, Action <laughs> number one thousand better be good. <laughs> we'll find out in about yeah. crickets. Years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't have an awful lot to say say about that comic. Um, but I I enjoyed it. It was. Um, it was interesting because it's in my Make Chris Read a Goddamn Superhero comic. It was my first, you know, sort of within the last few months superhero comic. So it definitely had a different flavor than the, the last last couple months. So, yeah, if you have any if you have any goddamn superhero comics that you want me to read, just uh, send in your request to Two True Freaks. We had. And I will uh, try to honor it unless I totally don't want to read it, and then I probably will read it anyway. We we've had a couple things we've tossed around in prior episodes, and then I had suggested that that um, Hercules miniseries from a couple years back, but there was something else that came up last time too. Shit, I can't remember what it was, but I'm gonna throw that one out there unless unless the first you know, Hercules got... miniseries. Well. What I was thinking was the there was that one the more recent one I can't remember what year it was it was like oh. two thousand something two thousand five two thousand four oh okay yeah something. oh awesome but also I mean if you if you want to read you know those first two the the old eighties ones the Bob Layton ones hell I'd be up for for rereading those and rereading the one I'm gonna assign to you. And uh, if Mike wants to read them too, I mean, we can we can devote a chunk of the maybe next episode a, to that. Maybe we could do an episode on on those because I love. I just I was looking at my comics database of my comics and and realized that I still have both miniseries, so I can I have those in floppies. So I would cool. I haven't read those in thirty years, so I would be I would be but yeah. Into read that. those, and I'll send you copies of uh, of the mini that I'm of, talking of, about. Of the we new can, mini, okay. Yeah, we can compare and contrast a little bit. Uh, All right, and then at some future point, we still need to get back to the one that Mike suggested—the uh, Shazam: The New Beginning—because that was a good yes. I definitely want to do that one. Well, I'm 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 definitely into that too. After reading those two Shazams that he gave your son, so yeah, that's 
That sounds good. Plus, reader, listeners, you can still send in requests. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've been uh, I've been reading Thor myself. I uh, you know inspired by the trailer and and my supreme enthusiasm for the upcoming uh, movie. I remembered that. Uh, oh yeah, I've got the the first uh, Thor Essentials volume sitting on my bookshelf, and I hadn't ever read it. So I dug that out, and I've been slowly making my way through it. But I'm I'm going to save that for next time around. We can talk about that a little bit more. But uh, it's fun. It's got a lot of adventure. The art's pretty good. But holy shit, is that some wacky silliness? So uh, yeah, I want to talk <laughs> it's about wacky. that. It's wacky. It is, it is wacky, man. But you know, I never realized before how incredibly inconsistent those early uh, Thor stories are as far as his powers, how his powers work, how the whole Don Blake thing works. So, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that some uh, at, at some future, at some future point. point. But we're kind of running out of time, so yeah. let's take we a sh- quick little break and come back with uh, The Walking Dead. Flesh-chomping <laughs> zombies. Excellent. Mmm. <laughs> Human-y. From a doomed planet in a distant galaxy to a fantastic underground hideaway. From the fortress of solitude to the bustling city room of the Daily Planet. Look, up on the screen, it's Superman. Superman, the movie. You are cordially invited to attend the podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a ten-cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Golden Age Superman. Available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libson.com. Every legend has a beginning. Geeking the Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your hosts, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. Welcome back to segment three, where we talk about The Walking Dead by Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adler. And this time, we are on number 34, after um, reading 32 and 33 last month. We're going to give you a break and just do one after the traumatic uh, beating that number 
33 was. So this, this of course, takes place just about immediately after the events in, in 33, where, as you remember, the, the governor got his nuts nailed to a board, and so much more. So uh, after es- escaping the governor, um, Rick, Glenn, Michonne, Alice, uh, the, the doctor's assistant, and Martinez, the guard from the city, make their way on foot back towards the prison. Um, Rick notices Michonne is acting really weird and sort of, you know, gives an aside to Glenn to kind of keep his eye on her, and Glenn notices that she's acting strange also. So um, they're making their way through the woods and uh, with Michonne out on point with her sword, and uh, Martinez and Alice sort of start talking and swapping, you know, their backstories of how, you know, their life was overrun by the, the zombies and turns out Martinez was a gym teacher and uh, and uh, his school was a was overrun by by biters and Alice tells of you know living in her dorm room which was you know a government quote unquote safe zone and it basically was turned into a bloodbath before she got out and uh, you know suddenly they're attacked by a couple zombies and uh, you know, they sort of catch him by surprise, even though Michonne is sort of telling him, you know, hey, you know, you know, keep an eye out, you know, we're not safe. And those couple zombies all of a sudden become more and more zombies, and pretty soon they're they're being overrun and having a hard time fight them off. As a matter of fact, Martinez sort of has to pull the jaw off one in order to keep from getting bit. So they just go into a full-out run, and they come out into the woods, and they come out into the field where... Um, before they had, you know, made it to the, the village, they'd, they'd um, mired their car in this field. So they uh, make a run for the car, and they manage to get it started and up out of the, up out of the dirt. And, uh, you know, before they become zombie breakfast. And uh, on the road to the prison, uh, Rick's reassuring Alice of the security at the prison because she's, you know, she's wondering, you know, well, I went from a re- some place that I know is safe. I don't. How do I know that this place is, you know, going to be better? And uh, but uh, of course, Rick has spoken too soon because he looks out the window in horror and tells Glenn to pull over the car. And he gets out, and we see a big spread of the prison, just completely riddled with zombies. The gates open and askew, and Dale's RV is sort of parked in the entranceway haphazardly. And uh, everybody just looks up on in horror, and that's the end of issue 34. Not a lot happens, but after issue 33, it was kind of a relief until the end. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, what, a, what an ending. Excellent uh-huh. synopsis, sir. Oh, thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. But, uh, shoosh, what an ending, huh? I, I remember, I remember the just... You know, you're feeling all the relief of the. It's that Kirkman double, you know, double fake out punch where, you know, you go, oh my God, it can't get any more intense than that. You know, thank God they're getting out. You think it's going to be just sort of a catch up episode. And the cover has a, you know, the cover starts out with a picture of, you know, Rick's pregnant wife looking out of the prison. So you think maybe it might even be set at the prison a little bit. But, um,. Yeah, what a what a what a scene to come back to. Yeah, it was a, it was a great ending. I mean, th- this is this is the breather issue. Yeah, 
uh, it feels like it. That's not a bad thing because you need it after the last it, one. Well, yeah, you need it, but also it's it, it's well written. You know, you're you're learning more about these two characters that um, that just kind of showed up into the series, and they showed up at a really bad time. You know, it's it's not like they could have had Martinez or or God, why can't I remember her name? All of a Alice. sudden, it just Alice. You know, like give their backstory while Rick's losing an arm or Michonne is being raped savagely and then right. nailing a dude's testicles to a board. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that's just not the time. <laughs> but having said that, when you read it in the ongoing narrative, it's just it's another great chapter with a punch in the gut ending. Yeah. And I love the way that scene is drawn, too, because it has a look of, like, this is something's gone wrong. It's gone wrong a couple days ago, you know, and you can sort of piece together sort of what had happened in a, you know, uh, they tried to block the door with the with the RV and stuff, but it obviously wasn't successful. So it's just like, and after the last issue, you know, your mind just starts going, okay, who's dead? <laughs> you know, right. oh, God, what, what, you know. So, so yeah, it's a, a classic Kirkman one-two punch. I, I really like the scene where Martinez is talking about, it reminds me of me. I've, I've had this thought process where he's like, you know what? If there was a zombie apocalypse right now, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You know, I would, you know, I don't have anything to lose in it. I would probably be one of the people that could deal, you know, is best equipped to deal with it. Unlike me, he's a, you know, gigundous, you know, gym teacher too. You know, he's a big, huge, you know, biker sort of built guy. But uh, so and, you know, and then he found out that actually psychologically he wasn't prepared. You know, he was as ill prepared for it as everybody else was, you know. And uh, I thought that was a really neat sequence. That was one of my favorite sequences in this was the the thing with uh, with Martinez, because I like anything in this series that gives us a hint of the in-between time because this is one of the few zombie series that that I'm privy to that I can think of where we didn't see the world fall apart. Right. It's actually one of the the things that I that I dislike about The Walking Dead to to be perfectly honest is that I I wish that we had gotten that. Well, because yeah, that's, that's a big one of the things I like best, especially, you know, both versions of uh of Dawn of the Dead, you know, my favorite, yeah. uh, my two favorite zombie films are, are the two versions of Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, in each of those, we see the world fall apart. Right. And that to me is always the most fascinating part of the zombie apocalypse phenomenon is, is when you see things fall apart and how yeah. fragile our society really is. I think Kirkman was just like, People have done it. You know, I think he was like George Romero, been there, done that. People know what it's like. I want to get to my story. You yeah. Know, he wanted I, to get I, to his character, which was Rick. Right. And, I, and I understand why he did it. And, I, you know, I've read his reasonings for it and right. all that. But at the same rate, I, I still always feel kind of cheated because we are so invested into this story. It is ultimately, I think the best zombie story, probably because it is an ongoing narrative. You come to really feel, you know, for the characters and all that. So I would love to get that missing chapter, right. you know, and, and, but 
up till now, I mean, this is how we're getting it is just, you know, in narrative flashbacks from the different characters, you know, telling their, their origin story basically of, you know, who they were in the real world and then, you know, how, how they faced the end of the world, you know? So I I like that when we get those little glimpses, you know, it's, you know, all we're ever probably ever going to get, you know? So I enjoy those, those moments when we get them. It's always interesting, you know, when you learn who these people were in real life. Um, The other thing, you know, the, the other big thing I took away from this, of course, is, is the great, great ending to this. Cause it was just, what a punch in the I remember gut. when this originally happened, it might have been before we were even doing the, or when we were first doing this podcast, I remember, you know, both of us, like, talking about this, this issue going, holy shit, what an ending, I wonder what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah. The only thing I would say about this ending, though, is that I wish that, this is one of the few times where I feel like the issue goes longer than it should, because I think that it actually should end on the double splash page reveal of the overrun prison. I think those those three extra pages are completely superfluous and actually steal a little bit of the impact to be be honest. I mean, I like the, the imagery, you know, of the, of, you know, the, the prison is completely overrun these zombies are everywhere and they're just milling about and we're actually I, I don't know about you, but I'm searching the crowd for people you know. Yeah. For people that I know, you know, to see are any of the regulars uh, amongst shambling around. Crowd. Yeah. Or even, you know, the dead bodies that are on the ground. And you know, I like the last page of Rick, you know, just standing there crying, going, Oh God, no. But it doesn't add anything. I right. think that it really those last three pages kind of steal the the punch. Yeah, uh, you could uh, you could have stuck a word balloon coming from off panel saying, "Oh God, no!" You right? Know? No, not yeah. even that. Not even that. Just have that be the last two pages, and that's completely what you're silent. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. That that I mean, and that would have been fit. That would have been in the true form of Walking Dead so far too to have it end on that. Yeah, but, you I know, think that would have maybe been maybe they were power. on a deadline. Maybe they were getting close to the deadline, you know, and had to fill, you know, had to do two easy pages or something. I don't know, but minor, the only other thing quibble. I had on this was that uh, something happened to the art. The art took a major step up in this issue, and I was looking to see if maybe uh, there was somebody different in the art team, and I didn't say that. Or, I didn't see that, rather. It, it appears to be the same people, but yeah, something... I don't know what it is. It's just uh, the 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 art really uh, he jumped having, up. He might have been just having, uh, having a little commune with his muse at, at, on this issue, you know? Yeah. But I like it. You know, I, I really like it's the cover. The scene in the, in the woods is so beautifully rendered and with, yeah. the, with the blacks, whites, and grays. And the scene where Martinez yank, you know, yanks the, the jaw off that one zombie is just like, nope, not today. That's always something I've wished to see someone, you know, I was like, if I had a zombie get my hand in my mouth I, or in their mouth, that's what I thought I would do. You'd have to just yank their jaw, you know, push down. <laughs> so it was cool to see somebody actually do that. You're kind of take, <laughs> taking your life in your hands, though, at that point, really. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get my – I don't want to get anything on me near a zombie's mouth. Right, right. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, if, 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 the, if, if, you know – 
if I had my druthers, I would want to have my hand not in a zombie's mouth anyway. But if I did, you know, it's like how, you know, it's like when I remember taking this class on how to defend yourself from a dog attacking you, you know, and, uh, don't smell like a milk bone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is hard for me, as everybody who's met me knows. <laughs> Don't baste yourself in a, in a meat sauce. <laughs> exactly, which, you know, I mean, I have a skin condition. I have to baste myself in meat sauce, you know, so. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, is that what they're calling it these that's days? That's what they are calling it, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, 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 you don't want to have to do it, but if you were in that position, that's what I would I would do, you know. I, I, the first thing I would do is, like, pull my hand out of the zombie's mouth, but if you didn't have time to do that, yes, rip off his, well, like, a, well, like a towel in a bathroom dispenser. Well, there's a great panel of Ramirez looking at his hand after he's done that, and, and I always interpreted that panel as him realizing, gee, that was a stupid thing to do. And it's like he's checking his glove to make sure, the, you know, yeah, that, that he, he didn't, didn't get bitten. Yeah. I like that. But that's all I got for this one. Yeah, not not a lot to talk about, but just a good, you know, bridge between escaping the governor and returning back to their own personal chaos. Well, excellent. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's another episode of Comics Monthly Monday. Yay! Number 29. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, two True Freaks.
Hi, my name is Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, which explores the world of Superman and the many creators who have added to his legacy over the decades. Episodes will feature creator biographies or highlight some of their top stories they have created as well as their top characters. Other episodes will feature topics appropriate to the holiday or the time of the year. For instance, Valentine's Day will feature stories about the women in Superman's life. April Fool's Day will feature some of the bizarre Superman Silver Age stories or some of the imaginary stories that have been published. Halloween will feature some of the scary Superman stories or some of his strange transformations and, of course, some of the Christmas Superman stories. The website can be found at supermanfanpodcast.mypodcast.com The blog is supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com and you can send email to supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com I also have a spoiler-free comic book review blog of the titles I read every week which can be found at my pull list Dot blogspot.com and you can send email about this blog to my poll list at gmail.com Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hey, you. Yes, you. Hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well, evidently you do because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do. Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well, then, have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the Internet. And we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera, but also lesser-known monsters, like Gappa, Yangari, and Giala. We cover everything from movies to comic books to video games, and we're kicking it old school at earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com. Check it out, won't you? And remember, the EDD has got their eyes on you! 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 You!
Well, it's big and terrible. It's more frightening than I ever thought possible. As the Wheel Turns, the podcast from Peregrine D-Man, the Definitive Geeks, discussing Robert Jordan's Wheel Time series. Please join us as we share insights and revelations regarding this epic fantasy series. We would welcome yours as well. Please email DefinitiveGeek at gmail.com. Definitive Geek is available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. I sense a disturbance in the force. You always sense a disturbance in the force. I don't like this. No! Really pissed me off. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle station! What are you scratching at? Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Well, excellent. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's another episode of Comics Monthly Monday. Sweet. Yay! Number 29. In a row? Just in time. 
Because <laughs> everybody keeps messaging me. Are you guys ready yet? You guys ready yet? All right. You want me? I guess that would be the end of it. So it would be. I don't know about you, but I need to piss and get a drink before I we have, start. I have to do exactly that, and then I have to set my recorder on. So you might not hear me for a couple seconds while I'm switching around my recorder, but I'll be back in like five minutes. Cool. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm gonna take off, guys, because like I said, I really. I gotta get some sleep. I've been so cool, fucking man. exhausted lately. I feel bad. It was bad, a great but... show. It was no, once it, again I'm, a I'm hilarious show. I'm glad we got to do it. It was a fun two, two and a half hours. So, and I liked how like you guys were like, we need to talk about Superman more, and then it was just like, fuck it. So we'll talk about Superman. <laughs> yeah, so I know. Awesome. You know, <laughs> my my Thor talk went right out the window, but that was awesome. Well, I enjoyed yeah. the Superman talk. If not now, when? Yeah, I, I noticed though, and this was this was pointed out to me the other night when I was recording with J. David Weeder. Uh, I start talking about Superman, I start getting really fucking passionate. Yeah, well, and, nothing wrong with that. No, I know, but it's just uh, I worry that I go on too long because I just feel so much when I'm uh, when I'm talking about the character saying what sucks about him <laughs> or <laughs> a podcast but, is for people to talk in <laughs> yes. and if you're passionate and you got something to say that's what people but, want that's what that's what everybody wants so you know go with it you know but i am off to bed i will talk all right dude thanks for joining us yeah what is your schedule going to open up anytime soon sir um, did I send you the latest one? I'm not sure if I sent. You. 